1: 1017 FM, 710 KIO, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, we are honored to have your honor. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Uh, my first question is, uh, a lot of people are not happy about these proposed changes to uh, the upcoming Mardi Gras, uh, the, the two large parades, Centaur and uh, Gemini. What brought these changes about? Why, how did this get started?
2: Uh, following the parade this year, uh, our police department raised public safety issues. The fire department raised public safety issues about the way that the parades were uh, handled and the way they went. And so we began meeting to determine ways to tighten up security.
3: Are the contracts with Gemini and, and Centaur are they current? Are they already expired? What's the status of the city's contract with those two crews? Uh,
2: it's time to have a new contract.
3: Okay. The big, the three big proposals are
1: yeah. earlier, let's, let's talk earlier about start. Some people may not understand what we're talking a
3: about. A 2.30 start for both Gemini and Centaur, starting them at the Stoner at Clyde Fant, and then there's some discussion about moving the date of the Centaur parade. Let's start with the earlier start, 2.30 that's so the parades are over by uh, nightfall I guess correct That's correct okay is that that's at the request of the police department then
2: that's correct
3: okay the move to the stoner boat launch start um why is that necessary in your opinion
2: uh, to reduce the number of police officers necessary to provide security
3: the route simply too long for them to man the whole route it is. Okay,
2: so
1: we're the Shreveport Police Department is 140 officers short at the moment of of being fully staffed.
3: Who pays for the security for the parades? Is it not the crew? No, the city pays for it. You pay for all the police overtime and all of that
2: for for Centaur and uh, for Centaur and Gemini. Yes.
3: Okay, the move of the parade, the crew of Centaur parade from the February 3rd date. Um, Why is that deemed necessary?
2: There's already a parade scheduled for that day, and we are not able to handle two parades in the same day
3: with the current staffing. Why not move the other parade?
2: Because it is always the first Tuesday in February. Okay. And has been for 35 years.
3: Gotcha. The Centaur parade... The first Tuesday? No, no, he didn't, first. first it's the first Saturday in February. Okay. Okay, sorry. I, yeah. may have, I may have
2: misspoken, but it is the first Saturday in February. Okay.
3: Eliminating the family zone from the parade route, is that something that's part of your proposal?
2: No. Okay. Family zone will move.
3: Where would the family zone go to?
2: Between Stoner and Street City.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, this is one of those things that the the crew of Centaur, the crew of Gemini, they put a lot of time, effort, and money, and they're saying you're cutting a mile, a mile and a half out of their parade. uh, So it may not even make it worth their while to roll the parade. Or, do you do you feel like the parades could be in jeopardy with these changes? Not at all. You're not talkative today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, Tom, Tom,
1: we're not the enemy. We <laughs> promise.
2: Would you? Would no, you? No, I just. I, I don't I don't believe these are I don't believe these are these are reasonable changes. The changes are based upon experience, not not just here, but in places like Lake Charles and Lafayette. A great deal of effort went into trying to decide this, as opposed to moving the route. Uh There were a lot of other suggestions that were made that we thought were a whole lot more drastic and chose not
3: to do when you look at the numbers and i can only imagine this is where it's all stemming from when you look at the numbers your reports of crime and incidents and etc go up dramatically after darkness is that accurate that's
2: that's accurate and and part of that is because people begin setting up and frequently begin drinking very early in the day and we would like to cut some of that out
3: If you, I know you're a lawyer, and you may not want to answer this one, but if you had 140 officers on staff, you had a full staff. um, Would we be talking about these changes today?
2: Uh, The only change that I think we would be talking about if we had a full staff and and really could staff this might be the the uh, shortening of the route.
1: Is there a possibility of recruiting? off duty officers, officers from Bozier City, uh, the sheriff I mean obviously the sheriff's departments going to help uh, you know other officers from other departments in the area is there could, could we uh, boost up our force that way?
2: Um, we would be delighted for Bozier City to help sponsor the parades by providing uh, by providing officers uh, for the parades but I don't see that happening. And uh, we already uh, use sheriffs uh, to to do it. So we do not see that as a viable option.
3: What about using uh, state troopers to come in to help? Is that an option or are they too expensive? I know they charge more for their off-duty.
2: We haven't examined that possibility, but I doubt that that it, it is financially feasible. These are public safety issues. They're not financial issues.
3: Okay. Um will changes be proposed for other parades? Um Crew of Highland, any any of the others, are we just talking Gemini and Centaur at this point?
2: Some of the changes will apply to all the parade.
1: Ah. Like 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 I know Crew of Highland is a really large parade. Are there proposed changes for the Crew of Highland parade, which is usually on Sunday?
2: There will be. It's a it's a unique situation because it comes through neighborhoods right and we have to make we will have to make some changes there as well but they are um they already they already roll during the daytime
3: tom there's uh, sorry mayor tom arsenault some people have said that the proposed date for centaur uh, might even be on the date of the gemini ball um are you looking at that
2: no, we're not looking at that. We gave, we gave Centaur an option of that date or a Sunday roll on the 4th of February, uh, which would not conflict. And we also suggested that they had another date that would work that we would be consider we would be happy to consider that.
3: Okay. The other question is coming up is you're, we're midway to Mardi Gras now. It's kind of late to be implementing these changes. How do, how do you answer that?
2: Uh, we were very deliberate in trying to figure out what we needed to do to protect the public, and that, that's the time that it took.
3: And let's answer the bigger question, Mayor Arsenault. Is it better if both Shreveport and Bossier are participants in this parade and we use, you know, the Bozier Parkway and the Clyde Fant Parkway and we try to do a, a cooperative agreement down the road? Is that the best answer, ultimately?
2: Uh, it might be. My my impression is that the city of Bozier City is not willing to host the parade.
1: Now I know years ago the the parade used to start I think at Pierre Bozear Mall and mm-hmm. travel Airline yeah. Drive and Barksdale Boulevard and then come over the bridge. Um, it did. But then Bozear said we don't want this lunacy anymore, and they put a stop to it. But from what I understand, is the is the current mayor Tommy Chandler amenable to uh, hosting the parades again?
3: Uh, I have not discussed that with Mayor Chandler. Would you? Would you? Do you think you might? I'm um, I'm
2: willing to enter into discussions. That, that's a m- much more major change in, uh, in route that may be difficult. It may be that it would be better to have that discussion for 2025.
3: Okay. This is a um, more of a off-in-the-weeds legal question, but I'm told there's a new... Um, surety bond of some sort that is part of this new contract that if a float breaks down if there's a some sort of issues that they the the crews now would be under a, a a tighter gun to get things back up and rolling um is that part of this new deal as well is it something new i'm not sure if it is
2: that is something new
3: and why was that, that is needed
2: uh, because we otherwise had no had no uh, immediate remedy, there are penalties for violations of the of the performance standards in the contract. What well, is the bond your- is there to make sure make sure that that that, uh, that that there are funds to pay for that?
3: What is your message this morning, Mayor Arsenault, to the uh, hundreds and hundreds of members of these crews who are? um i mean they're they're in a tizzy today about these proposed changes what is your message to them primarily
2: these are changes that we felt were necessary for public safety and that is the primary goal that that the city has to make sure that these parades which are which are wonderful events uh we're glad to have them but we have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make sure they're safe
1: Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault, well, we thank you for our coming on this morning and and uh, talking with us about your thoughts on this.
2: You bet. Thank
0: you very Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
3: 1017 FM 17. I don't have to do that anymore, do I? No, you don't. You have the big boys. The big boys guy talks like that. Mike is wandering the halls. I think, I think he just decided he saw a squirrel in the hall run by. Um, Mike, we're on the radio. Um, You might want to wander down here. Um, Big political week. It's uh, qualifying for all the elections and I think Three candidates so far qualified. We're doing it like a radio show. You you might want to join us if you don't mind. Um, Ruben, I told you don't start if I'm not ready. You saw a squirrel run down the hall, Ruben, and I think he's chasing it out the door. But anyway, the qualifying for the election has started and they, and it wraps up tomorrow. And I can't, and please, if you, if you are a Democrat, I'm just playing today. I'm having a little fun today, okay? Um, Sean Wilson, who was the head of DOTD for a long, long time, he, um, he qualified to run for governor as expected. He's going to be probably right. the lone right. Democratic, major Democratic contender in the race. And in his little speech after he qualified, uh, he talked about
1: speech. I love that. He talked
3: about why he was running, how important it was going to be for for, for all residents of Louisiana. And then he he made this little remark. Are you ready? This is a nice little jewel, a little nugget that we all will love forever. Choice of
1: words is important.
3: Yeah, Yeah, he might have chosen different words. Here he goes.
4: I'll be a bridge builder. I'll be a bridge builder. I'll be a bridge builder.
3: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Unless you're the Jimmy Davis Bridge. Cha-ting. Where
1: where where is that bridge, bridge builder? Where wait?
3: Is that too cruel? Are we being cruel? <laughs> South Bosier, are we being cruel? South Shreveport, are we being cruel?
4: I'll be a bridge builder. <laughs> I'll be a bridge builder. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is this too cruel? Can we have some fun? Can we have a little bit of political fun? Don't say that again, Sean Wilson. Please don't come to shreveport Bozier and say, I'll be a bridge builder. Yeah. No, you won't. Take that
4: phrase out of your out Take of your it
3: speeches. out. Edit it out. Somebody text Sean Wilson and tell him, edit out.
4: I'll be a bridge builder. Yeah. I'll edit be- that out, Sean
3: Wilson. Anytime you're north of Alexandria. Okay? I, I don't even think I'd say it in Baton Rouge because they're waiting on the new bridge over the Mississippi River.
4: Uh.
3: I don't think I'd use that phrase.
4: I'll be a bridge builder. <laughs> no, no, you won't.
3: No, you won't. We had look the history of the Jimmy Davis Bridge because I've been doing this a minute. We put twenty five million dollars. We had it. The money was there, ready to go. We're gonna redo the Jimmy Davis Bridge. We had a big contest. What color? When's the last time
1: you drove over the bridge?
3: Oh, it's awful.
1: It's, it's a- awful. absolutely the we, trust work over the bridge is is scary. But it you remember like, the
3: big contest we had? What color should it be? Oh, we yeah. all voted to paint it purple. Purple, yeah. This is fifteen years ago, folks. Yeah. Fifth, we were gonna update the bridge and paint it purple. It was, and then it just
1: barn swallows. Then and, you had and, barn
3: swallows, and then you had. I'll be a bridge builder. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you think we'll play that between now and the election? Oh, hundred. I
0: don't know. Pretty it's, much any time we talk about <laughs> it. What a <about> great <laughs> cut, too. We
3: need to put it on the button bar over yeah, there, Ruben. Yeah. yeah, I'll be uh, a bridge builder. <laughs> unless you're in South Bossier. Sorry. Oh, Lord. Mm.
1: Well, we've got Ricky Bridge's response from the crew of Centaur to uh, Mayor Tom Arshino's comments about the, the proposed changes for Mardi Gras. I'll hear that coming up at
0: 640. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. <laughs> oh,
1: I had plumbers at the house. I know. I know. Okay. okay go ahead. I'm sorry. I, this, I digress.
3: I got this text from the boss this morning. <laughs> Quote, I won $2 in the Mega Millions lottery. Please respect my privacy as my family decides how to move forward in this exciting and pivotal moment in time. <laughs>
1: We need to get them on the news.
3: We need to talk to them about their big win. So was there a winning ticket? Yes. It wasn't you, obviously. No, it wasn't me. It was in Florida. $1.58 billion. One ticket. One ticket. Wow. Wow. Don't know yet exactly what store it was sold at. Somewhere in Florida, they're they're gonna gyrate the numbers and. Can you know
1: remain it a going. mama num in
3: Florida? I'm not sure if you can. I don't know.
1: Apparently, I, you can't in Louisiana.
3: Well, you can be uh, an LLC. Okay. You can have an LLC created, and then your LLC can claim it, which would My be LLC a high price lawyer. Call,
1: would be called Kiss My. B- <laughs> Incorporated.
3: (laughs) exactly. One winner, Mega Millions, 1.58 billion, one in Florida.
1: Mm.
3: I'm growling down here. I'm sorry.
1: I'm really pulling for you to win.
3: It's too late now. I don't play when it's only 20 million. It's chump change. (laughs) Who can live on that? Yeah, exactly. Come on.
1: (laughs) More trouble than it's worth. Oh,
3: yeah. (laughs) Oh, Mardi Gras changes, and uh, how are folks reacting to it?
1: Find out uh, what the crew of Centaur thinks. Ricky Bridges talks to us next.
0: Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline from the crew of Centaur, Ricky Bridges joining Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keele. Ricky, good morning. Good morning. Thank How you. are y'all doing? We're doing very well. Thanks for taking time Great. to uh, talk with us this morning. Not a, a problem. Of, a lot of proposed changes. What's your initial yes, <laughs> What's your initial reaction?
5: Well, we have a lot of unhappy people. <laughs>
1: The mayor says um, these are public safety issues. They're not financial issues, but they're public safety issues.
5: Right. Well, I mean, I I envy Chief Smith. I mean, you know, I'm prior law enforcement. I just retired. I understand it. But, you know, it's – I feel like, you know, they've worked this before. And, you know, why is it such a problem now? You know, the deal – We've been trying to get a meeting with them for the last three or four months. And when we met with the mayor, they said they had already been discussing this. Well, why not involve us in these discussions? And uh, that's what really kind of upsets me that, you know, we're not being involved with with these discussions going on.
3: The, the mayor's talked about um, a shorter parade route an earlier start time for the crews of Gemini and Centaur. Um, which of those is the, the biggest problem for you guys?
5: Well, it's like I say, it's, you know, if they keep getting earlier and earlier and, you know, we have a problem, you know, we have to come downtown, we have to stage, and that takes time. And uh, the uh, the route change, I I just don't, you know, you're moving a family area down to, to me, it seems like a, a worse situation, you know, trying to mix all those family people down with the stoner and on down further. To me, that creates a problem.
1: So where, but, uh, where is the existing family area and where are they proposing to move it?
5: The, uh, existing, I believe it's Veterans Park, they call it. Okay. and Uh, it's between, before you get to, uh, I can't think right off the top of my head, but it's right there. It's called Veterans Park.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. And,
5: sure. and they're going to move, they're moving it to the other side of Stoner.
3: So still, got, on, the, still the, on the parkway.
5: Yes, ma'am. You, uh, they're going to move the children's, the family area and the, y'all see the white tents are always right there. I believe that's the Tourist Bureau. They're moving mm-hmm. them down there. So they're basically cutting out from Stoner back to downtown.
3: The other issue, the big issue for your crew, the crew of Centaur, is changing your date. Um, yes, ma'am. What options have you been given, and why is this such a huge issue?
5: Well, the options they gave us was, uh, I believe, January 27th, which is the Saturday before, and or they gave us an option of February 4th, which is the Sunday after our normal date.
3: Why are those a problem? Yeah.
5: Well, you know, you got people up and one problem is January 27th is Gemini's ball and that, that cuts our royalty out going to their ball and so they'll be, you know, having to get, they'll be on a parade route and, uh, it just, you know, my, I'm, I, I listen to the mayor and you know, to me, it'd be easier to move the other parade and then Instead of us, I mean, what are we talking? You know, we bring in probably at sometime one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand people, and that parade doesn't generate that many people. And and I, I just don't understand why we have to move. You know, we've been here longer, about the same time they have, and it just, I, my personal opinion, I feel like we're being pushed out. It's the last two or three years. It's always change 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 it's worked for years why change now
1: we're talking with ricky bridges with the crew of centaur ricky what would um if if you get a meeting with city officials with the police chief and with the mayor what would you propose what would your solution be
5: uh leave it alone and uh you know leave us alone and, and jim and i and let's you know take this other parade i mean I wouldn't have a problem with working that parade in with us. Let them go before us, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, then us follow behind them. And uh, whether that's an option or not, I don't know.
3: Now, you met with your um, float lieutenants, the leadership of your crew last night. Um, yes, ma'am. Did you take any action? Do you anticipate your board will take action?
5: Uh, no, we, the main reason I had the meeting last night was, you know, everything was getting out and I, I wanted to be transparent with my lieutenants and, and our board. and basically it was just an information to let them know what was being proposed. And, uh, and I'm being, I think we were told that we're going to have another meeting with the city at some point. We don't know when, but to discuss it further, I'm assuming. But, uh, we had a lot, lot of unhappy people.
3: What are yeah, your options I, I, now? I mean, could you say we're going to cancel this year's parade?
5: We—that's uh, not in the cards. I hope, but uh, I mean, I guess you can never say never. Have, <laughs> but, have you uh, approached? We don't want to do that.
1: Have you approached Bozier uh, City Mayor Tommy Chandler or, or looked at moving it to the Arthur Ray Teague Parkway?
5: We have not this year. Now we we discussed it. I think it was a year before last with them, and was, the timing was not right. had Reba McIntyre concert that kind of took precedent over because they had already booked that for the Brookshire's Arena, and but we have not lately. No, have not. Would be would be glad to do it.
3: What kind of impact do, do these parades have on our community? This is bigger than many of us realized. Is it? Is that oh, right? Yeah.
5: Yes, ma'am. You talking? For both parades, you're looking at around a $22, $23 million economic impact to the city. Wow. And, yeah, exactly.
3: What is the long-term answer to this if the, they want the parades during the day? Can y'all ultimately accommodate that one? Let's start there.
5: Well, with us, I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for Gemini, but, you know, which... Myself and the captain Jim and I, Mr. White, we've been talking hand in hand every day. And uh, the deal with us, you know, is we start decorating in April. <laughs> you know, right after the other parade, we start tearing down and regrouping. And and you know, the big thing with us is the lights on the floats. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, mm-hmm. it makes for a great parade. And and might as well just take them off if you're going to do a day parade. and It's not fair, you know, to us.
3: The start at the stoner boat launch um the biggest objection to that is what
5: uh well you're cutting out a mile and a half two miles of our parade and uh you know we we spend a lot of money with throws and and uh you know you don't want to get to the end of a parade and still be sitting there with a boatload of beads still on the float. Well you can order
3: you, know, you can order, order save, fewer. Or have
5: you already ordered money.
1: Save you money on having not having to buy as many throws.
5: Well we have a standard package that we you know, the members get every year and that it's we just we don't change that. But uh, but it you know there there could be some there's give and take
3: mm-hmm. but
5: uh it just it just seems like you know every year now it's it's something.
3: Do you feel like you're kind of being strong armed here with this contract here with, the, you know, at Midway to Mardi Gras? And now here's your new contract. Yes, ma'am.
5: Because, you know, it's like I said, you know, why didn't they include us in any of the prior discussions? And we could have already had all this worked out. But, you know, they want to wait till, you know, we, like I said, we begged for a meeting for the last two or three months and we kept getting put off and, and, uh, now that we did have the meeting, you know, here it is August. You know, we're mm-hmm. already half... floats are already, you know, being worked on and plans have already been made. What, and, who, you know, who from
3: the, uh, parades was in the meeting last week with the mayor, the CAO, Shelly Ragle with SPAR and the others? How many crew members were in that, that meeting?
5: Just, uh, for Centaur, just myself and, uh, Brian Hammonds was with me. And then you had, Mr. Weitz with Jim and I and Patrick Gallagher, their parade person. That's the only crew members that was there. Hmm.
3: Did Did you feel like they weren't listening to y'all at all during that meeting? Uh,
5: I think they listened, but I think they had it in their mind that that's what, this is what they wanted. And uh, we just feel like, it, you know, we didn't have a bargaining tool. <laughs> but uh, like I say, we're supposed to meet with them again and hopefully we can get this worked out and, we, you know, we want the people just to hang with us and, uh, you know, we want to bring a great parade to the city of Shreveport and, uh, and hopefully, uh, we'll get all this worked out.
3: Will your board be proposing any alternatives to what they have proposed? Any, let's compromise at a three o'clock start or let's back it up to, I mean, are there some, some compromise measures y'all are looking at?
5: Uh, n- at this point, no. We just, you know, we won't have another board meeting until September. And uh, we're kind of waiting to see, you know, when they're going to come back and want to have another meeting. And that way we can discuss and tell them kind of way we feel. And,
3: okay. and
5: uh, you know, this was kind of just thrown on us. You know, we were kind of shocked, you know. Right. So, But ultimately, we're the, to regroup.
1: if the city says, look, this is where this parade's going to start and this is what time... Are, are you going to have
3: to comply?
5: We will probably have no choice, if, you know, if we want to have a parade.
3: Yeah. Well, let's stay in touch. You know I've got your number. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> yes, your time. appreciate your I'm, time. I'm retired
5: now, so you can call me. All right. <laughs> I
3: appreciate it. Ricky Bridges with the crew of Centaur. Thanks for your time, sir. huh. <laughs>
0: Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keele.
1: Candidate for Governor Richard Nelson going to be joining Mike and McCarty just after the local news. Top of the hour, 1017 FM, 710keel.com. 1017 FM 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty in studio with candidate for governor. It's uh, Louisiana Representative Richard Nelson joining us. First of all, good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming up strictly to do our show. We appreciate it. That is the only reason I drove all the way <laughs> here. I know just it to do is. It. Look, you you've got a quote, and I, and I like this, but I want you to explain it. The truth is if Louisiana were just average in the country, we'd all live four years longer. And get a 33% raise. That's what bad government is costing us.
6: Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's one of the, the taglines of my campaign. And it's really to show people, you know, what, could we, what should we expect of our government? This is where we are. And, um, you know, that four years of your life and that 33% raise, that's just to be average, right? You know, I was valedictorian, Eagle Scout. I've never in my life aspired to be average, but I think that's something that we should at least expect. And, you know, the tragedy, especially, you know, folks in Shreveport, you drive 20 miles across the border to Texas, Statistically, you become average. You get three and a half years of your life back, and you get a thirty-three percent raise. And so, you know, I attribute that solely to the government that we have and the, you know, the problems that it causes for us. Because there's no difference between the people in Shreveport, the people in Tyler. There's no difference between the people in Beaumont and the people in Lake Charles. It's really just the government that's the that's the difference. If
3: if you drive into Texas, you're going to pay no income tax. The roads are going to be better. It's going to be cleaner. And you want us to get there.
6: Absolutely. What's
3: the path?
6: That's the whole. Honestly, that's my whole platform essentially is to let's look at the things that they do in Texas. Let's look at the things they do in Florida, the states that are really booming. They've grown six times faster than us in the last 10 years. And you can see that the income tax, the tax structure is a major piece of that. You know, we really have a, a structure of government, a tax structure that was built by Huey Long 100 years ago. And we are still struggling under that. I mean, you guys saw this in this last legislative session. You know, north Louisiana got creamed, basically as retaliation for our votes in the legislature. And that's the system that's been in place for 100 years. And that is what we have to change if we want things to be better.
1: I think two of the biggest factors, A, education. I think that's the the most important factor in growth, but also economic development. It, it's apparently not easy to do business with the state of Louisiana. What would you do to change that, to be able to bring industries in, to bring jobs to the state? How would you make it easier to do business?
6: Sure. So, you know, education, like you said, is really important. I've done a lot of that in the legislature, especially on elementary literacy. Uh, I have little kids, so that's something that I care a lot about. But then I think on the, on the economic development, I think what we do a lot is we essentially pay girls to date us, right? We give, say, move here and we'll give you ten million dollars. And what happens is they move, they'll stay here for five years or something until that ten million dollars is gone and then they leave. And that's what we've seen. Over the last couple of decades, that's been the whole economic development um, you know theory I think we've operated under and when you look at states like texas and and other um, you know other more competitive states, what they have is really a low tax structure that's predictable over time, and that's what companies are looking at and so I think when you look at phasing out the income tax when you look at reducing some of these rates and also getting rid of the really the credits and the games that we play where you have to hire a lobbyist to get some kind of credit from the tax, nobody wants to play that game they'd rather just have no corporate tax like Texas has or just a low and predictable one like a lot of the other you know conservative states have and the- no in-
3: no film the- tax credits?
6: Oh, uh, I don't like film tax credits. Why? Um, well, it's 180 million dollars and it goes to mostly out-of-state entities in California.
3: So But it creates jobs in Louisiana, folks would say.
6: That I mean every dollar you spend creates jobs. If I go and hire, you know, 1000 cops, that also creates jobs in Louisiana and I think the benefits of that stay here in Louisiana as opposed to you know, going out of state. So we've spent, I think it's $2 billion on the film industry, which is fine. I, I don't mind the film industry being here, but I don't want public money and taxpayer money to going to subsidize it because I don't think we get the most bang for our buck.
3: Tax credits to bring in Amazon, big companies like that. Against that too?
6: Yeah, I don't think Amazon's the biggest company in the world almost why would we give our taxpayer money from the poorest state in the country to get them to build a warehouse to basically put all our local businesses out of out of business it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me they would build it anyway, whether or not we give them the money or not
3: so you're against amazon <laughs> opening in shreveport is that what you just said
6: i'm against taxpayer supported amazon <laughs>
3: okay. i i understand that let's talk about um About you for a minute. We haven't had it. You're from Mandeville, Louisiana.
6: I am on the North Shore.
3: Uh, Married, three children. Yes, Uh, three boys. Correct. How old are your youngsters?
6: Uh, They're nine, seven, and five.
3: God bless you. God
1: bless you. That's why God gives children to the young.
6: Yeah, you know? Exactly.
3: But your wife is from here and a graduate of Caddo Magnet High? Is that She true? is.
1: She is. So,
6: you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how do I know you're not going to forget North Louisiana? Well, I'm married to North Louisiana. That's how I can't forget it.
3: So she's got family here still.
6: Uh, yeah, her mom and uh, some of her relatives still live here in, in Shreveport.
3: Some of the big issues in our area are um, Jimmy Davis Bridge. Uh, the i-49 inner city connector i have sat in rooms with many a gubernatorial candidate many a transportation expert and we're going to get that done what makes you different are you just going to spew me some more blah blah blah
6: no i mean i think that you know honestly i have a different focus on north louisiana i think you know it's probably one of the greatest opportunities our state has is in north louisiana there's not like I've said, there's not a lot of difference between North Louisiana and East Texas, and you can see East Texas is booming, and I think if you have very similar, you know, government structure here, I think that you'll see the same kind of growth in North Louisiana, and I think fixing some of those big infrastructure projects like the Jimmy Davis Bridge, like uh, the I-49 connector, really lets those things really take off, and so um, I would focus on make, getting those done. I mean, honestly, there's a ton of infrastructure projects in South Louisiana that have been done over time, and North Louisiana just kind of gets left out and uh, that's
1: uh, every year I, yeah, I, I think north i think shreveport in particular mm-hmm. is poised to be we are in such a in uh an advantageous geographic position east west dallas to atlanta and then b- points beyond north south you know heading to Chicago. i mean we're not taking advantage of the opportunities that we have absolutely
6: and i think that You know, in a in a new and diverse economy in the state of Louisiana, I think north Louisiana is probably the best position to take advantage of that. If all you're looking at is, you know, tourism and seafood, if that's all you're talking about, which happens a lot in south Louisiana, then north Louisiana gets left out. But I think in a diverse and competitive economy like you see in Texas, if you bring that here, north Louisiana, you know, you don't have some of the challenges in south Louisiana. So I think that that gives you a little bit of an advantage. But I think. You know, these companies that are right now in Texas, they're looking for some place to come. They're looking for some place to grow. You know, rent's a lot cheaper here. Land's a lot cheaper here. There's a huge reason to come here from a cost perspective if you can get out of this kind of Louisiana, Huey Long, Banana Republic mentality that we've had for a long time.
3: Can you stay with us? I want the biggest issue in this town and probably this state right now is crime. we got to address that. we got to talk about that.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. In studio with the uh, state representative Richard Nelson, candidate for governor with
0: Mike. My- Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
1: We are in studio with uh, Louisiana State Representative Richard Nelson, candidate for governor gubernatorial candidate, my favorite word. You
3: haven't qualified yet. You're doing that when no, Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Yeah, I've been
6: up here in North
1: Louisiana.
3: Okay. Um, crime is a monster issue uh in shreveport Bozier across our state. We don't have enough police officers is one of the problems. We have too many people deciding to take their uh, anger out, pulling out guns and shooting each other. Do you have a plan? Do you have some ideas that are different from what we hear at prayer rallies and crime safety meetings and all that? Do you have some other suggestions?
6: Yeah, so, I mean, I think the first problem is really just a lack of police, like you said. I think the legislature has made strides to fix that this year. We increased the the state support for police officers um, the supplemental pay. So we did that already. I think that's going to help, help with the recruitment. I think I'll also from a state trooper perspective, we increase some uh, you know funding for state troopers to get attract additional state troopers because we also have historically low levels of state mm-hmm. troopers um and i think using some of those um state trooper assets to kind of supplement especially in areas like Shreveport New Orleans where you know kind of the local guys are overtaxed i think that that will help um and i think really what we have to do is address the long-term causes of crime right so you know when you have the poor state in the country when you have basically a failing education system uh, you really, th- that makes it very difficult to address crime in general. Like, you can mm-hmm. throw people in jail, we can arrest people, that's fine, but if they have no economic opportunity and they have no education, it's gonna continue. You know, Louis- Louisiana has, I think, had the highest murder rate in the country since 1989. Uh, this is a problem that's been around for a long time, and so really I would fight those, those kind of, I would say, root causes of crime. I think that's really important. And then I think, too, is our, you know, our justice system is not, it's not set up to give people swift and swift justice. You know, people sit there forever. Eventually they'll, you know, maybe they'll bail out and then they'll stay out. They'll be out on the streets for years before their trial happens. I think you need more resources in the in the justice system in general just to get people that, that swift justice so that you really discourage crime from taking place in the first place.
1: I just got a text from a friend of mine, law enforcement officer, said state pay went up $100 per month. That does not help recruiting new officers.
3: Mm, yeah yeah
6: i mean i think it's one of those things where when you have inflation at six percent um you know anything less than a six percent raise is really a pay cut and that was my you know my argument in the legislature was hey look we need to uh you know make it especially for the the state troopers which are 100 percent state responsibility like you got to at least keep keep pace with inflation if you want people to come here because no one's going to go get shot when you can go work at amazon for the same amount of pay right and that's the uh that's the practicality, you know. If you're making fifteen dollars an hour putting boxes up in Amazon, you're not going to go on the street for that same amount of money. Did you vote for justice reinvestment? So justice reinvestment was before I was there.
3: Okay, so I so wasn't there. Would you have voted for it?
6: I would have voted for it. I think that the biggest problem is the investment piece of that. I don't think that that really went to be to where it needed to go. Um, we, for example, the about half of our state prisoners are in local jails, like the sheriff's local jails, mm-hmm. and they get twenty six dollars a day, right? And so about half of the prisoners that are there recommit crimes once they've been released because $26 a day is not enough to do any kind of recidivism programs or anything to make sure they can read, make sure they have you know a GED so that they can go get a job when they get out. They don't have some kind of technical skills. And I've actually brought a bill on that to say let's Let's give these guys some kind of life skills before we throw them back on the street so they don't reoffend. And I think that's really the key part of that reinvestment act is that we need to do the reinvestment part. We can't just say, well, we saved this money. Let's go spend it on something else. I think you really have to use it to reduce recidivism and then you know, fund the justice system adequately.
1: So but the biggest problem with justice reinvestment is we're letting violent criminals back out. We're reducing sentences and letting violent criminals back out.
6: So we're not reduced, we didn't reduce any census for violent criminals. The Justice Reinvestment only reduced it and basically released people for nonviolent crimes. And the violent crime, the number of violent criminals that are incarcerated has actually increased since it passed.
3: Do you support the death penalty? I do not. Explain why.
6: Sure. So, I mean, the death penalty, we haven't executed anybody since, I think, 2010, which is a guy who volunteered to be executed. I don't, I think the last one was maybe two decades ago. So we really have the illusion of a death penalty. And it costs about $20 million a year to keep people on death row, um, to not ever really be executed. And so I think it's just from a economic perspective, you know, $20 million when you're talking about, well, how many more police could you hire for $20 million? You know, maybe a 1,000 police or something like that. And... The deterrent effect, I think life in prison is just as big of a deterrent to commit any of these crimes as, as as the death penalty. And I think also is when you look at the number of people that have been exonerated, I mean, more people have been exonerated than executed over the last 20 years.
3: You agree that uh, with the abortion stance in Louisiana, we are now essentially an, uh, an anti-abortion or a pro-life state. Do you agree with that?
6: So, yeah, so I'm pro, uh, you know, I'm pro life. I think that the, being against the death penalty is, is consistent with that. Uh, I do believe in exceptions for rape and incest. That's a kind of a difference between me and some of the other candidates and kind of our existing law. Uh, but, uh, you know, I am pro life and I think that that's the right way to go.
3: Tell folks again about Richard Nelson, candidate for governor. You're going to qualify on Thursday. You're from where? You're a little bit of your background, real quick.
6: Sure. So, you know, grew up in Mandeville. I was a valedictorian in Mandeville High. I was an Eagle Scout. I got two degrees from LSU. Uh, biological engineering and law, uh, graduating at the top of my class, joined the Foreign Service at the State Department, uh, spent seven years as a uh, diplomat and se- security officer going all around the world, uh, basically protecting embassies from terrorism and espionage. Uh, lived in Washington, D.C., um, Germany, and the former Soviet Republic of Georgia. Uh, managed a bunch of projects in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Pakistan, all great vacation spots like that. And then uh, came home, wanted to ha- start having kids, decided to come home and uh, you know raise them here in Louisiana. And... Wanted to be part of the solution, so I ran for the legislature, got elected, and you know, I've been fighting these big battles ever since.
1: Now, you're, uh, we had a message on the Shreveport Security Systems Message Board. You're not doing any public speaking today while you're in town. Is that correct? No. So, There's uh, no place somebody can go hear you speak today.
6: I think we're, we're speaking to the Bienville police jury. I, I don't know if that's uh, it's uh, an open
3: meeting. A, open, yeah. It's an open
6: meeting. You can go yeah. hear my hear my pitch there <laughs> if you want to drive out.
3: But <laughs> let us know if you're doing any kind of like Rotary Club speeches or because pe- people want to come out and meet you yeah, and, sure, uh, and hear you. Thanks for coming in.
0: Thank Richard you, man. Nelson, for candidate me. for governor. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Stay Thank safe. You. A- Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: New details on Diamond Jacks or something like that. Mike and McCarty, we've got Ronnie Johns, Louisiana Gaming Board Chairman, going to join us
0: after the break. 1017 FM, 710. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: 1017 FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Oh
3: boy, we're having fun in here now. Diamond Jacks.
1: Let's see the um, the first company that that came in
3: mm-hmm. was Foundation Gaming. Found,
1: Foundation Gaming. Mm-hmm. Big exciting news. Mm-hmm. Going to redo the hotel. Lots of renderings. Yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of renderings. Going to mm-hmm. take the boat out. And then they sold it mm-hmm. to another company, yep. and I don't have that information in front of me. I don't either. But now that company has sold it. Is it's that
3: correct? It's what it looks like that it, it may have been sold again, but I'm not certain about that. I'm. I'm. Uh, we're waiting to get in touch with Ronnie Johns. He's the Gaming Control Board Chairman, and he was in town yesterday. I think he met with um, the mayors. mayors. I think he did. And, um, had some discussions about, you know, what's going on with Diamond Jacks. Cause I know early on we talked to Ronnie and he said that the boat would be the first thing they moved. I mean, that would right. be the, to get the boat the out physical of here. Boat. Yeah. If they didn't, couldn't find a buyer, they would get the boat out. Well, the boat is still here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure what's going on with regard to, you know, what's the status of, you know, getting that moving on. Now I did, um, I did hear from the mayor's office in Bozier, who said that the mayor had a detailed meeting with Ronnie Johns and his attorney was in town. They visited with both mayors of Shreveport and Bozier, and talked about the, the status of gaming. And we have Ronnie Johns now on the line. And uh, Mr. Johns, you were in town visiting with the mayors, kind of giving an update on the state of gambling in our area. What was your message to the local leaders?
2: Well, Aaron, uh, first of all, I didn't think you guys liked me anymore. I hadn't heard from you lately, you know?
3: I'm sorry.
2: So, uh, <laughs> That's not said, true. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, it's always good, always good to hear uh, from you, and thank you for having me on this morning. Um, I've actually been up there in the market, the uh, Streetport bosier market, since Monday, along with some of my staff. And we did visit with both of the mayors. Um, we brought them up to date on what's going on in the market, not only with Diamond Jack but also all the other properties uh, throughout the market. Uh, uh, there's just a lot going on. Can you give us uh, some some
3: uh, bullet points of, of the top three things that are happening in our market?
2: Well, first of all, uh, let me say how impressed I am with what everybody up here is doing. Uh, you know, the buzzword is, uh, is for the last few months. Jack's doing, and and with Cardish coming in, there's some real excitement for that. But every other property uh, up here uh, is is investing in their uh, uh, in in their amenities. I've seen a lot of new restaurants. Uh, There's some exciting announcements that are coming in the next few months with uh, you know new uh, entertainment venues, new restaurants. Uh, I think the, the the key message to the mayors and
3: you're breaking up. Your phone's goofing up. We lost him. The
2: is coming from the Oklahoma uh, tribal casinos. It's not sitting back and 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 doing nothing. Uh, they're saying, look, if we're going to compete, we've got to we've got we've to gotta put in uh, new things to draw people here into the Bozeman Freeport market. And, and I've
3: seen
1: that um talking with Ronnie John's uh, Louisiana gaming control board chairman all, uh, but uh um, Ronnie
3: your phone is breaking well, up no, terribly nope, you can hear us are you in the tunnel yes. under the Mississippi oh there's not one <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, can you hear me better oh that's better
2: yeah thank
1: you now we know foundation gaming was the original. Uh, owner or purchaser of the property, they sold to Cordish, is that correct?
2: That is correct. No, Foundation is Foundation Gaming has uh, uh, entered into an agreement with Cordish. It's not official yet because Cordish is undergoing their suitability through state police.
3: What's the oh, Louisiana Live true. Project? I got an email from the mayor's office saying the Louisiana Live Project is on schedule. Is that Cordish?
2: That that's Cardish. Okay Kardish Alive is the brand that Cardish uh, owns. Uh, if you go ahead and Google Texas Live, you'll see what they've done in, in the Fort Worth area. It's just absolutely phenomenal what they've done over there. Okay, so Cardish so, is still uh, the
1: current owner then. They're they're not selling, is that correct?
2: No found Foundation Foundation Gaming is actually the current owner.
1: Okay. Uh
2: they're selling to Cardish. And uh okay. but, but foundation has not just sat back and done nothing.
3: Ronnie uh, you told you in. told us uh you told us a while back. This boat has been closed since I believe March of twenty twenty and you said Correct. we can't let this sit idle very much longer. It seems it nope. seems it's gone way too long now. Are you getting a little frustrated?
2: No, I'm not because things since since we have entered into this agreement with foundation and then to Cardish. Things are actually ahead of schedule. Uh, Had we uh, put that license back out for bid, uh, you probably would have looked in literally from a legal standpoint at least a two year process. We're moving forward. Uh, All the demolition work at Cardiff, I mean, excuse me, at Diamond Jacks has been going on. I walked through there Monday afternoon. The property has been completely. Uh, uh, demoed. Uh, I'm very impressed with what they've done. They've gutted the entire property. They've spent millions of dollars there. And so <clears throat> we're going through what the Louisiana law says that Cardish has to go through what's called suitability. And once they are deemed suitable, which they will be, they're suitable in, in a number of other states, uh, they will begin their construction, I think, in early you know the first quarter of twenty twenty four and so we're we're right on schedule i'm 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 very excited about it it's going to be uh, this is going to be a game changer in the streetboard Bozier market
1: so the suitability but, study but is still going on. When do you expect them to receive the results
2: uh, before the end of this year
3: and this when this new facility is up and going, it's going to be essentially mm-hmm. a new hotel, a new land based casino, correct?
2: That is absolutely correct. They, um uh, they've committed to, um, approximately a $300 million project. Uh, you, you never know as they get into it. It could be more than that. That'll, that'll be up to them. But, uh, uh, it, it's uh, going to be an entirely new, uh, entirely new property. As I understand, the boat has been sold. Uh, it will be scrapped. They'll have to dismantle it to get it out of uh, where it's at.
3: Who, but, bought, who um, bought it, Ronnie?
2: I have no idea. Okay. Some okay. It's a scrap company. Gotcha. It's a scrap company. The boat is not usable. Right.
3: Uh, Let me ask you this, too, because we, be we earlier talked about the gaming space this boat will have. It won't even be a boat anymore. Excuse me. This casino, it's going to be twice as much gaming space than any other casino in our market. Am I still right about that? I, I
2: think it's, uh, I can't give, say it's going to be twice as big. Uh, it's going to be large. It's going to be spread out. It's going to be new. Uh, totally land-based. Um, it will be the the first true land-based property up in Bossier's Freeport. You walk into Margaritaville, uh, it looks like it's land-based. Technically, it's not because it's built on barges.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's a single-floor casino. It's very nice. And by the way, I'm very impressed with what Margaritaville is doing.
3: Mm-hmm. They're
2: doing a tremendous amount of work out there, and you're going to see some new... Uh, New restaurants, some new, um, uh, entertainment venues. Uh, I know they just opened Drago's up over there. Uh, Horseshoe has done a lot of stuff. Look, the, the entire market is investing in, uh, in, in their properties up here. The racetrack, been out the racetrack yesterday. Uh, very impressive what they're doing and they've got some exciting announcements that are coming, uh, on some new venues out at the racetrack. So, um, anyway, it's been a great trip um uh something that we uh, wanted to put our eyes on and visit with these people and, and see what we can do to to help them uh uh help grow the market here um so um anyway uh that's kind of where we are
3: great but, news
1: um, great news well sounds, yep. sounds like uh, some exciting things coming that's that's good
2: yeah it, it is and and it's um, it's an investment in in the property you're gonna see um um, you know, more employees coming in. I have no doubt uh, that the, the Diamond Jacks or the Cardish, I don't know exactly what they're going to uh, name it, but um, uh, probably will be live. Uh, mm-hmm. Some type of a...
1: a well, I'm glad that's still on track because that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad the live... Uh, or, you know, brand is still on oh, track it's, because
2: it, they... it's it's definitely it's definitely on track. and It's right on time and, and they're not behind schedule. And and and, and stop and think about it. Uh, the quicker they open that property, the quicker that money starts coming in instead mm-hmm. of going out.
3: Absolutely. And
2: when you're when you're spending three hundred million dollars, you better have some revenue starting to come in as quickly as possible. So uh, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, they're a hundred and ten year old company. It's still family-owned. <clears throat> they, um, they're they one of the major entertainment venue operators in the entire country. And I think um, Bojers-Freeport is really, really fortunate to have them coming into uh, this market.
3: Ronnie Johns, Gaming Control Board Chairman. Thank you, my friend. appreciate your time.
0: 1017FM more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: Okay, I'll take it. I'll take that good news. Still, mm-hmm. it hasn't been sold for a third time. Or, no, it, no. So, you, you you can't just believe what you hear. No, exactly, immediately. Exactly. It's go exciting. to the go to the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Check those teeth. <laughs> make sure that horse is healthy. Yeah. So, uh, Diamond Jack's still on track mm-hmm. with Cordish Gaming. The and and they're still undergoing their. Feasibility suitability mm-hmm. study.
3: Going to be a Louisiana Live property, which is kind of cool. That's kind of cool.
1: From what they, what I understand, the Louis, the, the Live brand, which is over in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. uh, with the Texas Rangers. Yes, that's exciting.
3: That really is exciting. that's, and
1: that's really really cool. It's going to be really. Uh, I mean, it's if gonna they do be a, a game changer. If they do a percentage of that mm-hmm. here. It's going to be a really cool place.
3: Oh, absolutely. And live
1: entertainment.
3: Uh, lots of great restaurants. It's going to be a uh, – the gaming space, as I remember, and we'll have to do a little research, was going to be about 30,000 square feet. The other casinos in town have about 15,000 square feet. So I think it is about double, which makes it a monster player in the market. Because people like to go to a casino that you don't feel so cramped up in, you don't have people right on top of you everywhere. Right. So it's going to be a big deal. Now, does it compete with those big million square feet casinos in Oklahoma? No. Well, um, we don't. We're we're not allowed to do that in Louisiana. We can't build them that big. But um, you know, we're still our market is still holding its own. We've still lost a little money um, in terms of if you if you go year to year, et cetera, and dating back in history. But we're still doing okay.
1: Now, the original report several months ago, their, their, their plan was investing about two hundred fifty million. Uh, Ronnie tells us it's about three hundred million.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they've, they've gutted it. The boat has been sold. Yep. The actual, the physical river boat, going to be scrapped. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to disassemble it to get it out of the uh, the little, uh, what are those called? The mooring, or whatever. Yeah. They built. <laughs> yeah, you're those right. Concrete bathtub. bathtubs. <laughs> They fill them with water and go, yeah, this yeah, is a riverboat. Yeah. Right,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> what was crazy was they used to employ captains. Remember when they the did. boats first came here? That was
3: the cushiest job in town Six to be figure, a. figure. Yeah. To, to be, be, a be a captain of a
1: boat that never moved.
3: Riverboat <laughs> captain and the boat never moved. <laughs> so you said, I knew one of those captains and, and I'm not going to name him, but he said, I just could sleep all day. I could sit in my office and and sleep. He said every now and then I'd have to get on the radio and say, oh, check this. Now, when they first opened, if you remember when Harris first opened, it was so hot. And I mean, you know, everybody wanted on that. You had to pay to get on the boat. Oh, you had to pay to get on the boat. And you had to wait you had to wait in line because they had it was overcrowded. They have to wait till somebody comes off before somebody else could go on. And you paid to walk in to gamble.
1: Do you think they would love to see those days again? Oh
3: my gosh, you pay a boarding fee. It was a boarding (laughs) fee to get in the boat. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I thought, I'm paying to get on the boat to go give you all my money? Yep, that happened. That happened. That's I remember it. Funny. Oh, that doesn't happen anymore. But we got a big, big casino coming that's, in Beauger.
1: That's an exciting project. Mm-hmm. It that, really is. It, that, I'm excited about that live. And I'm not, I'm not even really a casino. I don't go. Yeah. But but that's to see the entertainment coming. Absolutely. Uh, Shane Gibson, he's candidate for sheriff for County Parish. He's going to join us coming up after the top of the hour, 1017. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with uh, Greenwood Police Chief Shane Gibson, candidate for Sheriff of Caddo Parish. Good morning, sir. Good
7: morning. Thank pull that for real close
1: me. to you there. There we go. Good morning. Thank you yeah. all for having me. Thank you for coming in. Now, uh, you're police chief in Greenwood now, but uh, Aaron said, oh, he's got a lot of coppery experience. <laughs> Coppery's a word. Coppery, yeah, you, <laughs> a lot of professional coppery experience. Tell us a little bit about Shane Gibson and, and some of your experience.
7: Well, first off, I'm uh, my name's Shane Gibson. Uh, I started my law enforcement career in 1995 as a state park ranger out at Lake Bissettino State Park. Uh, Three days after our firstborn child, (laughs) my son was born on a Friday. I started my law enforcement career on a Monday. Uh, My wife and I got married in 1994, Uh, been married ever since. Uh, We've got another child that's 24 and working from home, still living at home with us. The oldest is in grad school in Illinois, Um, grew up in Uh, Spent graduated from Airline High School in 1992. Uh went through the police academy in Bossier-Paris at the old Bossier-Paris Community College Criminal Justice Institute. Uh, spent about two years at Lake Bistano, Moved over to LSU Med Center and stayed over at LSU Med Center for about three years. Uh, I started working in Greenwood part-time in late 1999. I got on full-time with the Greenwood Police Department in 2000, uh, May of 2000.
1: You've been there over 20 years. Look, yes, at, sir. look at me using that Northwood mm-hmm. mask.
7: <laughs> there yeah. you go um i've worked patrol i've worked investigations i was the first detective that greenwood ever had uh we currently don't have one right now but uh i was the first one we had back in about 2002 2003 uh i worked my way up through the ranks as a sergeant a lieutenant uh got got appointed to police chief after uh chief searcy retired in 2014 and i've been Going ever since uh, as police chief, uh, I'm the president of the North District of the Louisiana Association of Chiefs of Police, which covers 20 parishes from the Texas state line to the Mississippi state line. Uh, I'm on the, I serve on the governor's DWI and vehicular homicide task force.
3: So your buddies with John Bell Edwards?
7: Uh, I've never met the man. Okay.
3: <laughs> Are you Democrat or Republican? I'm Republican. Okay. Um, Greenwood Police Department. Is, and leaping to the running the caddo sheriff's office is a pretty big leap oh you a, would admit
7: oh yes ma'am it, it's a huge leap uh you know I, at greenwood we've built uh a, a group of i've got 10 officers counting me i've got a secretary and then i've got one part-time officer so i guess there's 11 officers counting me now uh i've got a little over a million dollar budget uh that wouldn't run a section of the sheriff's office i know mm-hmm. that but i built a good team um the team's hard working they're dedicated they step up and do what they need to do the community loves them the uh they interact with the community they've got good relationships throughout the community uh, throughout law enforcement we built a really good network we've we've built a really good reputation with the surrounding law enforcement agencies uh you know, when I first came to work out there in ninety nine and two thousand, I mean we we pretty much wrote speeding tickets. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh that's not what we do anymore. We don't do much of that anymore because, you know, there's there's not time and the officers are doing investigations and working cases and
3: what kind of crime problem do you have in Greenwood?
7: Uh we have uh a we make a lot of DWI arrests. Uh, I've got one of the very few drug recognition experts uh, in the area that's working on my department. Uh, seeing a lot of that, a lot more drug impairment than we are from alcohol impairment now. We, uh, we've got the domestic violence. We've got a little bit of drug problem.
1: Well, Uh, congratulations. You're (laughs) growing just like Shreveport.
7: (laughs) Well, we're trying to keep a lid on it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now, Parish Sheriff Steve Prater told us in this room not too long ago, uh, his actual job is is not as much policing, if you will, patrol. Uh, He said, I didn't know anything about running a jail. He said the bulk of his officers are, you know, they work at the, or deputies, they yes, work sir. at the jail. Yes, sir. Uh, very few of his deputies do patrol. They they serve warrants. Uh, they, You know, there's a lot of other things. Um, what? How are you prepared to step in, like Aaron said? This is a, a huge leap. It, it is
7: a huge leap. And luckily for whoever takes it, whoever wins this race, Sheriff Prater has built a good organization. There's good people in place that are, are – nobody should move. Uh, you, you've got people that their careers have been in CCC. You've got people that most of their careers have been on the road. You've got the civil department that's serving the uh, serving the subpoenas and the paperwork. Uh, you, you've got the courthouse security people, which th- the – you know, I know most of the the sergeants and the lieutenants and the captains that are over those areas. Uh,
1: have they, you gotten response from Cattle Parish deputies and personnel?
7: I, I've gotten a lot of response from uh, some deputies. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are very concerned about this election. Uh, they're wondering if they're going to have a job come July first. Um, the I haven't heard any negative response from any of the deputies. One of the deputies that I was talking to the other day told me that whenever my campaign Facebook page went live uh, Thursday evening, that there was a group of deputies standing around and they were actually celebrating that somebody was joining the race that had a law enforcement background or the law enfor- current law enforcement experience.
3: What sets you apart from, let's say chief Whitehorn first
7: uh, chief Whitehorn. I don't know him uh, very well. I've met him a couple of times, but it's been 16, 18 years ago since mm-hmm. I've spoken to the man. Uh, my experience is current uh, since I've been in Greenwood, you know, when I started in Greenwood, we were doing paper log sheets and paper reports that were basically one page front and back. Uh, we have grown a lot in that time. Uh, some of it out of necessity, some of it out of uh, innovation that I thought, hey, this might help the department function better. Like, uh, we've got a program now that It's run through Llets, which is where we run the license plates and the driver's license and warrants and all that kind, all that stuff. But it'll actually give you a picture of the person that is, that you're on the side of the road with. That's not common. That Most agencies don't have that. And it's amazing how many people lie about who they are and (laughs) claim they don't have.
1: Lie to the police? Yeah, lie to the police. I know it's
7: a. it's a new fad, I guess.
1: Yeah. We're talking with Shane Gibson, Greenwood Police Chief. Uh, can you hold on with us? we are got to take a quick break.
0: Yes, sir. Happy to.
1: Running for candidate uh, Cattle Perry Sheriff. We'll be back after the.
0: Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: We're in studio with uh, Greenwood Police Chief Shane Gibson, candidate for. Caddo Parish Sheriff.
3: What sets you apart, Shane, from um, Caddo Sheriff Steve Prater, endorsed candidate John Nicholson, former city city councilman?
7: Well, Mr. Nicholson, I've never met in my life. Uh, I, I know that he's a an attorney that the sheriff has endorsed. Um, I'm going to say that I've been on the scene for the last 28-plus years of all kinds of incidents from traffic crashes to... Uh, officer-involved shootings to run the gamut. Uh, I've made hundreds, if not thousands, of arrests out there on the street. I have a, a basic understanding of what the, the law enforcement officers and the deputies need to, to do their job and to function properly and, and serve the citizens of Caddo Parish uh, in a way that uh, they need to be served.
3: Mr. Nicholson may say, uh, "But you're not going to have that budget experience." He will point to his budget experience that, you know, the sheriff collects. To, I think it's 250 million in taxes every year. Um, how do you answer that? I don't. I've
7: been successful in in life and in this line of work by not necessarily knowing the answer to every question or being the smartest guy in the room. I did. I've survived my life and my uh, my profession by building a network of people that I can trust and that knowing the people that can do the job and can understand that.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, I have a basic understanding of budget. Uh, obviously, the Greenwood Police Department budget is a lot smaller than the Caddo Parish Sheriff's budget. The money that comes into the town of Greenwood is a lot less than comes into the, the parish of Caddo. However, you put the right people in place um, – That's how I work, is networking and building a network.
3: We, we could all say that, um, there's been a, let me, I'm trying to pick my word right. There's been a little bit of a testy relationship between the sheriff and the district attorney. Um, you guys, they need to get along. They need to, they need to work together, but they also need, both need to do their job. How do you see that relationship between you and the district attorney in our parish?
7: I have a pretty good relationship with the district attorney's office. Uh I, I don't deal a whole lot with uh district attorney Judge James Stewart, uh but with his first assistant. Uh I deal with on every couple of weeks, once a month. Uh if I've got a question about how a case is handled, uh if I'm not happy with a disposition of a case or I've I've just got questions about why a case was pled from a DWI first to a, I mean, from a DWI fourth to a DWI second. I can reach out to the first assistant district attorney and ask the questions, and I get a response. And I I think it's important for the district attorney's office, law enforcement, your non-governmental organizations, your churches, your school board, and all that to to work together. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and claim I've got all the answers, but but if you build a team with different organizations, different groups of people, uh, and come together, you, you're going to be able to find some answers.
1: And you've been here. You've been in law enforcement over 20 years. Yes, sir. You live in Caddo Parish, obviously. Yes, sir. And and somebody some asked, well, if uh, why doesn't Steve Prater have people in the department that he wants to bring up? And uh, and run for sheriff, but a lot of them weren't eligible. Some of the guys that he really liked didn't live in Caddo Parish. Correct. So um, how how do you address with uh, you know with the existing deputies? How are you going to bring the department and go? Look, I need your support.
7: Well, a, a lot of the deputies, uh, all the deputies that I've spoken with, have been supportive, uh, from the upper echelon of the sheriff's office down to the the. The dep, the patrol deputies. Uh, I've not received any negative response from any of them. Obviously, uh, when a new sheriff comes in, uh, the people that are high on the high up in rank are often some of the first ones that are cut. So some of those higher ranking officers, they're concerned about if the wrong person gets in office, uh, they may not have a job come July 1st. Or they may not be working for the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office. July first. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, the, the Sheriff's Office has got some great people in in place. It's already got a great team. I mean, it, it, it's almost like you know, uh, just get uh,
1: get in and don't screw it up. Uh, well,
7: it's uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> almost like hey, let's uh, let's take a uh, Louisiana Tech football coach and send him over and inherit uh, Nick Saban's Alabama football team. Everything's already in place.
3: Mm-hmm. You
7: just got to adapt a little bit and, and learn that system.
3: Okay, last work, last thirty seconds or so, tell folks who Shane Gibson is, who you are, why you want this job.
7: Uh, I'm Shane Gibson. I've been the in Greenwood Police Department for over twenty three years. Uh, I'm hardworking. I'm loyal. I'm dedicated. Uh, I don't stop at the end of the eighty hour pay period. <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> uh, I care about the citizens that I serve. And we've built a good department with uh, good resources, good network in Greenwood. And I would love to have the opportunity to build uh, an even larger, even greater network to serve and protect even a larger community for the entire parish of Caddo. Thanks
1: Thank for you. coming. Thank, Thank you so y'all. much. Mm-hmm. Shane Gibson, uh, Greenwood Police Chief, candidate for Caddo Parish Sheriff, Mikey McCarty.
0: Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keele.
1: 101.7 FM, 710 Keele, Mike and McCarty.
3: Sean, Sean, (laughs) Sean. (laughs) Dr. Sean Wilson qualified to run for governor yesterday. He's going to be the leading Democrat in the race. Uh, you know, all experts say he'll be. You know, he'll make well, the runoff. They're going to
1: be a runoff. Yeah, and, he'll, and he'll be the runoff. We've and the got runoff. fifteen Republican right. candidates and one Democrat.
3: One leading. One strong Democrat. leading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after Sean qualified to run, he gave a little speech, I guess. And note to Sean's speech writers, or to Sean if he wrote it himself. I love this. You should never say this again.
4: I'll be a bridge builder. I'll, I'll be a bridge builder i'll be a bridge builder
3: I'll- uh, never again please um he's let, let's uh let's see hmm a jimmy davis bridge did he build it <laughs> did he build it yet will they come
1: how we're waiting tough. on this how tough is it to run for a, the state the head of the state when, when the last, your last, how many years? 20 years? How long has he been with the DOTD?
3: Oh, a dozen years, something okay, like that. Okay, your yeah. last
1: 10 years' experience has been, oh, you were over the worst roads in the country.
3: Yeah, that, that was, that your, was job. your job. That was your job. Yeah. And
1: we have the worst roads in the country.
3: But he improved our roads from a D minus to a D plus.
1: Okay, <laughs> run with that.
4: <laughs>
3: but he's a. I'll
4: be a bridge builder. <laughs> I'll be a bridge builder. <laughs> what bridge? What
3: bridge? <laughs> How many bridges have you built?
4: Have you seen Jimmy Davis?
1: I, yeah. It, it, the The trust work over that, it looks like something out of a Chainsaw Massacre movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It I looks was, like, oh, we're entering the dangerous
3: territory. I know. And and he'll say, well, we're building that bridge. We now have it on the fast track and we're building. Oh, my God. It was on the slow track for a 100 years. <laughs> under you. Yeah. And now you got it on the fast track. Holy cow, and, and, and that's just one bridge. You can drive this entire region and find bridges that are crumbling. That's just one example. If you're a candidate for governor and you were in charge of our bridges. And our roads. And our roads, and they suck, you should not go out and campaign and keep saying this.
4: I'll be a bridge builder.
3: <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Take it out of his speeches, please. Who decided that was a good thing for him to go out and say? That's awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm bashing on Sean. Yeah, I'll give him time. He can come on and tell me why he's a bridge builder. I'm a bridge builder. What bridge? Show me some bridges. Oh. He's going to say
1: it was figurative.
3: Oh, absolutely. I know. But when, when that's your gig, uh, let's find a new figure, please. Oh, bad news. What's it going to be? Uh he's gonna
4: I'll be a bridge builder. Thank you. Uh, yeah, 101, yeah. 101, 101.
0: Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Yes, they
1: do. 1017 FM 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. I'm still look, I'm still this blue line solutions. We were told they were going to be in all school zones. I live in a school zone. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm telling you the, the city could make make their budget if they would monitor this school zone, even just on a regular basis, mm-hmm. not every day, but on a regular basis. and and they're never there anymore. Do they run
3: traffic anymore? Do they run radar? Oh, they do on I-20 every now and then. Well, okay. I don't know about school zones. it may, may have been out there today. I mean, school's now in session, so it's too late this morning. But um, the, they run radar every now and then in school I zones. I want those
1: cameras installed in that school zone.
3: Okay. You're you're close to what school?
1: uh Uh. Broadmoor Middle Lab. Okay. Broadmoor STEM Academy. STEM
3: Academy. I'm sure they're getting to it. I'm sure that, I don't, I don't know what the holdup is. But the, the deal is the city council was in a big brouhaha over how to spend the Blue Line Solutions money, which I think is about, uh, two and a half million, you know, for this first year, I think is gonna be. And there was some discussion about it all should go to uh, public safety, police and fire. Mm-hmm. Then there was some discussion that some should go to streets. And then there was some discussion that we should add some of it for early childhood education and financial empowerment. Then there was talk about using some for the gingerbread house and the crime lab. And there was all kinds of, uh, amendments and talk and, you know, everybody was not sure where it was going to end up landing. And it ended up landing with, here's the math. 40% to the Public Safety Revenue Fund, which is police and fire. Special
1: Revenue Fund.
3: Mm-hmm. 30% to the Streets Revenue Fund. 20% to the Early Childhood Education Initiative. And 10% to Financial Empowerment Center. Um, which, you know, my, my whole problem with this is, um, it's, Speeding tickets, essentially it's speeding tickets in school zones. If, and, and one of them made a really good point. I think it was, uh, um, Grayson Butcher. If police were out there writing these tickets and handing out, all the money would go to the police department. Um, it would all be, but now it's, a, it's done differently. And so now we're going to divide up the revenue. But if you start funding programs. So, okay, but why?
1: Why are we dividing up the revenue?
3: This is well, generated
1: here, by the police department.
3: Right here was the thing, and and it's a, it's a pretty realistic issue. It's like you're fighting crime. That's the smoke. They kept calling it. That's the smoke. You're fighting crime, fighting crime, trying to deal with the smoke. And Wait, deal uh, with the smoke. I don't. Why I, is they that they were smoke? using. I, and then the and then the fire is. Kids that don't have parents at home to read to them and get them ready for school. And so those kids end up being part of the problem that later becomes smoke. That's how they were referring to it yesterday. And so they thought we need to address both sides of it. We need to address the smoke and we need to address the fire. And that if you help more kids get an early start and get ready for school, then they're not going to be a problem later in life. My problem with that is let's say we help 100 kids with this money now. We all know the blue line dollars are going to go down because right. more people are going to know there's cameras here. I'm going to slow down. So if you're funding a program where you're helping 100 kids but you know that revenue source is going to drop, it never makes sense to fund something like that with non-recurring revenue.
1: Well, our city's famous for doing that, though. Let's look at the 13 percent
3: pay rate. Right. So you're going to end, end up having to cut that program back in subsequent years because you're not going to have as much coming in. Wouldn't it be better to find another revenue source for that? Wouldn't it be better to, to look for private sector dollars that could help you with that and use, use the money for things in the police department such as equipment. That's not going to be a recurring expense. It's something you can say, we bought 10 new patrol cars or we bought a, you know, a Humvee or whatever it was we bought. Uh, that's my issue with it. And I, and I, I'm worried that yeah, it's a great cause. Early childhood education is wonderful but it's not the dollars that are going to be there year after year after year. So you're going to end up ultimately probably hurting children that think they can get in the program or can have continued funding, but they won't. That's my worry about it. Ah, that's my two cents.
1: Well, I think it's a carrying it a little far to say you're hurting children.
3: Well, if they can't get access, and they had access last year, and they have another year of eligibility, um and you have to say, we can only help 50 kids this year. We had 100 last year. I, I, you know, what are those parents going to do? They're not going to be able to afford it. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about using recurring, mon- non-recurring revenue for recurring expenses.
1: Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710.
0: Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.
1: You were talking about the, the education. One thing, when Dr. Philip Roseman was in here earlier this week, mm-hmm. and he made a comment, and you and I both raised eyebrows and looked at each other, he said they determined the number of jail cells that they're going to need in future by the reading, third grade reading scores. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Aaron, that's... that's
1: Incredible to me,
3: and sixty percent of our kids go to kindergarten not prepared. Sixty percent, and then if they when they leave kindergarten, they get further and further so they behind. Can't color in the lines. They can't do any of the work they're needed. They they need to do. We had Cade Brumley sit in this room uh, when he was Desoto superintendent, and say he would have kids come to kindergarten and couldn't tell you their colors. Wow, didn't yeah. know their colors at age five. Is kindergarten um, a requirement now? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely so. is. And, um, you know, we were trying to get them in schools at three, three and four, get them in early childhood programs to get them ready for kindergarten. Because if they're not ready for kindergarten, guess what? They're not ready for first, second, third grade.
1: Okay. So what's what's head start?
3: That's a federal program. And you have to meet really low income guidelines for that. That doesn't catch the, the single mom. Who does make an income, but she's barely above the poverty rate or right at the poverty rate. She may not qualify for Head Start programs. And I don't know that Head Start's a full day program either. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, but. You, but
1: that's pre-kindergarten, right? It's
3: pre-kindergarten. Okay. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and we just have to focus more attention on that. And again, w- but, but here it is. We have to track it. Because a lot of these early childhood centers that they're now going to be pumping money into are at local churches. And they're at daycare centers that are run by churches. We need to track the data. Did you really get that four-year-old or three-year-old ready for kindergarten? Did that child come to kindergarten and and be ready? Now, the Community Foundation is involved. And they're going to be tracking the data. Christy Gustafson will join us in studio Friday. And we're going to talk more about that, too. because she's with the Community Foundation. Yes. And... You know, you also have to question, is it the city government's job to pay for early childhood education initiatives? I, you know, I don't know. I, again, is it the parish's job to pay for, you know, cameras that they're putting up? The, the other things they're working, what was the other thing that the parish was paying for recently we were talking about? I mean, is that their job? I'm not sure. What we've been doing is not working. Well...
1: Glaringly obvious.
3: So maybe we need to try these new new sort of initiatives and see if it does make an impact. Because Roseman was he, that that was striking. You're absolutely right.
1: They determine the number of jail cells by third grade reading levels. Golly, that's unreal. That, that was an insight I'd never known. Mm-hmm. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten kilo.